And now I put it out there and I was, I, I expected, you know, not just, you know, distributors, investors, but even general public. I felt like they owed me something to be able to promote it. Mm. But really in life, honestly, nobody owes you anything. And that was a lesson that I had to learn the hard way and I had to humble myself. And if you're ready to take your destiny into your own hands, you've come to the right place. This is Ordeshi, the Bulletproof Entrepreneur, featuring interviews with the most exciting and amazing entrepreneurs across Africa. Here's your host, Chi Odogu. Today, we're talking to Roy Okupe. Now, Roy's story is a little bit different from what we've encountered on the show in the past few episodes. Roy is actually... A producer, an artist, a creator, and I'll call him an inventor too. He's the <laughs> creator of um, the legend of Wally Williams, uh, one of Africa's first superheroes. So I know a lot of you might have been wondering, you know, oh, I read Marvel, I read DC, I've never seen a black superhero maybe they're like 16 or 17 that i know personally (laughs) (laughs) but i came across um roy's comic the other day browsing through amazon i was like wow i said everything i saw on it was niger last giddy even there was nigerian anthem in the first three or four pages and i was like oh i have to talk to this guy about (laughs) his superhero and whatnot so it's a pleasure to have roy on the show today to talk about the legend of Wally Williams. Roy, welcome to the show. Thank you, man. I'm really, really happy to be here. And it's a, it's a pleasure and it's an honor to be on the show. Uh, so I'm really excited to, right. to dig deep. Yeah, so let's, let's just get right into it. Because I, mean, sure. I don't think I've shared this publicly, but growing up, like all through childhood, I was the biggest comic book fan. In fact, <laughs> in my class in secondary school, all they know me for till today is comics. Because I used to be the one, the one supplying everybody with comics. <laughs> so oh, this, this takes me back to, to my roots. So, all right, yes. Wally, so, so let's get down to it. Why did you decide to create an African superhero? I mean, one of the... There are a couple of reasons. One of the main reasons is because, I mean, it's kind of something you said. Like, if if I told the casual, not even you that is a comic book um, fan, if I told the casual person, like, how many African superheroes, not African-American, like, African superheroes do you know? Like, they can't name more than two. And probably uh, even even the, the only reason why they even be able to name more than two is maybe because they just recently saw Captain America Civil War and they saw Black Panther. Mm. You know, after that they can't really name any African superheroes. And now I always thought that that was a real problem with that. So I decided that um, you know, um, and I've always been in love with superheroes right from when I was a kid. You know, watching Batman, Superman. Iron Man, Ninja Turtles, Trans. I watched all those cartoons growing up. Yeah. Whenever I saw anyone done by Nigerian or featured Nigerian characters, and it just, um, for me, I, I thought it would be interesting to have one based on our culture and you know, based on you know, Nigerian people and you know, the kind of way we interact with each other and everything like that. I just didn't really think it was possible until I got here to the U.S. in 2002, and then that was when like the superhero movie industry 
pretty much exploded with yeah. um, the Spider-Man movies, yeah. then the X-Men movies, then the, you know, the Christopher Nolan Batman, Batman movies. Yeah. So everything became so hyper-popular that even mainstream people that didn't even read comic books began to fall in love with superheroes. So I was just like, you know what, why can't we, why can't we have a Nigerian version? Why can't we have a Nigerian one? Why can't we have an African one that is as popular as these characters? Not just, okay, to be you know, confined to the African continent. So I decided, look, since I'm here in, uh, in America, which is where this whole superhero thing started, let me learn from what the best have done, not just in the way they've put together their books and their stories, but the way they've marketed it, the way they promoted it. So that's when I came up with the idea of EXO. You know, I not only didn't want to make the book look great, but I wanted to market it perfectly so that people around the world, not just in Africa, can have access to it and can experience Nigerian and African culture via comic books as well. Does that mean you studied, um, I mean, is it graphic design, is it art? What did you study uh, in college uh, and how did you? <laughs> 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 I was about to say, your parents <laughs> sent, sent you to <laughs> America, <laughs> paid dollars, and then you now want to do art. <laughs> No, I came, I came here for computer science, um, so I went to the George Washington University, and I also have a master's degree in computer science as well. So I worked for about four years mm. when I got out of school, um, just kind of like get my feet in the ground and just, you know, um, get some experience. But, you know, all the while, while at work, I just, I, I mean, I, I, I didn't necessarily hate my job, but I just felt like I had this passion to work with superheroes, animation, cartoons, and mm -hmm. I, I just wasn't getting that satisfaction when I wasn't doing that. So I started to, when, my, when I was in my fourth year of my job, I started to plan, okay, if I really want to make this leap to start doing, you know, comics, cartoons, animation, like I need to come up with a plan. Mm -hmm. So I, come, I came up with a plan, you know, saving money putting things together and last year I quit my job and then I went into this full time, okay. you know, so, um, you know, it's, 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 it's had its rough moments to be honest, because trying to make a living while doing stuff like this is not easy, yeah. you know, but I mean, thankfully God has been able to sustain me throughout. Um, you know, I'm not begging on the streets, you know, I'm still, <laughs> I'm still surviving. I'm still pushing, you know, but I get to wake up every morning and pursue my dreams and my goals. And honestly, that's, I, can't, I would never trade that in the world for, for anything else. Um, so, yeah, in a nutshell, yeah, I, I studied computer science, but um, um, I deal with um, animation, you know, um, comic books, superheroes. That's really, really what I do now. Oh, I also have to mention, too, that I don't particularly draw, although I draw, but my, my art is not that good at all. So I work with artists in Nigeria to, um, you know, help bring my stories to life. You know, so um, there are, I have four people on my team. Ayodele Elegba, who is, the, is my editor. Sukomi Akinboye is the artist. Rafael Kazim is the guy do, who does the colors. Godwin Akwan does the um, the cover the cover of the books. You know, so, um, I mean, I feel like these guys are the best on the continent. I mean, although I'm biased, but, I mean, if you take one look at my book, you'll be able to see why. I, I mentioned that, yeah. So I mean, I, I won't be able, I won't be where I am without them, you know, without my team. And um, you know, I'm grateful to them every time. You know, every time someone gives me a compliment about the book, about okay, how it looks and everything, I always tell people, look, man, it's it's more than just me. You know, the other people that um, that that are working hard to to bring this stuff out. Okay. So how did you meet the guys on your team, and how did you assemble that so that you work um, cohesively right. as a unit? Because you yeah, just said yeah. they're in Nigeria and you're in America and you tell the stories yeah. and they draw. I'm sure there's a lot of like communication hitches along the way. So how did you meet these guys and how did you assemble the team? 
Um, for me, there were a couple of things that I was looking for. First of all, I was looking for people that are into this, not just for the money. Yeah. Um, that that was the number one thing for me because I feel like, and, and this is not just this is more than just comic books. Anything in life, if you are doing it only because of the money, um, I don't um, I don't know how successful you can be in the long run. Maybe successful at first, but um, you know, eventually every business is going to go through crisis. You know, in terms of okay issues with money and things like that. And I feel like um, if you don't have a passion for what you're doing that's the easiest way to you know give up on something is by just doing it for the money and then when when the money is not there you're like well it's not working it's time to move on so i wanted people that um that were really really into this and you know they also had a vested interest in quality as well like people that actually pay attention to detail and don't, don't just do things you know just because okay let me just quickly do this one you know one of the things i hate you know when people uh, see stuff from Africa is like you know I'm sure you've heard this thing when when you show them something like oh this African this is the African one they uh, they try yeah yeah you know I I I, 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 I know what I can't stand I can't I can't stand it like I don't I don't want to be um, an African version or something I don't yeah. want to you know I don't want it to be like oh these people tried uh, at least yeah. they, they, they put tried it, they, they, <laughs> they showed up they just tried exactly no no there's no there's mm-hmm. no point in doing something you know if if it's um, if it's not world class. Exactly. So I was looking for people that also had that kind of attitude. And I mean, I, I basically searched through social media and based on the interactions and, you know, the conversations we had, I was able to determine, you know, based on those two criteria, you know, passion for the work and attention to detail. Uh, I was able to determine, okay, this, this guy I can work with, this guy, you know, I can't work with. And these are the people that I really want to, uh, I want to work with. Now, that doesn't mean that we still do not have hiccups, but because, I was able to pick people that had those two things. When the hiccup came, when the hiccups came, we were able to address them in a manner where, you know, we could move forward as opposed to just, you know, going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So, um, yeah, those, those were, those were the criteria for me. And honestly, looking back, I, I made a very, um, I would say I made a very fantastic decision picking this, this, this set of people to, to help bring my, my creations to life. Right now, I've read the very first episode in the series of EXO. So what are you guys creating now? What are you guys working on now? So there are two things that, um, that, that, that I'm working on, um, for the future. Number one, number one is that we just, um, we just wrapped up part two of, um, of EXO. Um, and, and that concludes the first saga of the EXO story. So the EXO story has multiple sagas. Mm. Um, Legend, Legend of Wally Williams is the first one. Now it's divided into part one and part two. So part two is going to be hopefully out by the end of July, and that will wrap up the first saga, Legend of Wally Williams. There's another saga that comes out next year for that. So we just finished part two, um, and I've sent that to the printer. You know, I'm hopefully going to get the shipment in the next couple of months, and then we're going to put it out there and start promoting it. Um, but the next thing that I'm working on, um, you know, uh, hopefully by the end of this year or, or early next year, is something I'm very excited about. I'm doing um Animated. I'm doing no, no, no animated. That one, that one, I'm working on in the back end because animation is very expensive. So that yeah. one takes that one takes a longer time to get the right distributors, investors. So that one is in the. I'm doing that actively in the back end. Matter of fact, that's why I went to Nigeria twice last day. See if I can talk to the networks, you know, the people that you know, powers that be, to say, hey, look, this book is doing well. How about we take it to the next level? And I'll talk about animation, yeah, in, on its own in, in later on in this in this segment, but um. Yeah, the next thing I'm working on is something I'm very excited. It's called Malaika Warrior Queen, and it's a it's a superhero fantasy story, but it actually takes place in 
pre-colonial West Africa in the 15th century, you know, um, you know, so it, it takes place during a time where, you know, you could see African royalty and, you know, just picture like a movie like Troy or Gladiator, but within West Africa, okay. you know, in those times. Yeah, so that's that's what I'm working on because I always like to think outside the box when I do this kind of thing. It's like that's why the first book, EXO, was based on a futuristic, you know, um, Nigeria, futuristic Lagos. And now my next book is going to be based on, you know, basically a, you know, pre-colonial Nigeria. You know, so I'm very excited for that and it's also you know i always wanted to do a you know a female you know royalty yeah Yeah, exactly you know because i feel like we don't have enough of that not just we don't not just we don't have a lot enough female protagonists in those kind of roles but even when it comes to female african protagonists like african heroes african superheroes females we don't really have a lot of that so that that's what i'm working on you know, you know, for the next uh, next couple of months, uh, sorry, not, uh, for the rest of the year, is trying to get those two books out. How did you just um, brainstorm yeah. that? Because you're bombarded with, you know, modern day superheroes <laughs> and futuristic. Right. How, how do you throw your mind back and say, oh, I want a warrior queen from 15th century Africa before the British came to Nigeria and, and what have you? Yeah, I mean, a couple of things. One of them, you already said it yourself. Like, a lot of people are doing a lot of things because superheroes are very popular now. Mm -hmm. So I always try to see, okay, how can I do... Because I love the genre, you know, I love the, you know, the superhero dynamics and everything. But how can I do... How can I do mine in a way that's unconventional? You understand what I'm saying? And a lot of people, when they think about superheroes, the first thing they think about is, okay, spandex or tight suits Mm -hmm. and things like that, which there's nothing wrong with that. But if you look at the definition of the word, super is just a qualifier for hero. You know, I feel like the hero is someone that makes sacrifices to, you know, better the people that, uh, to, to help other people, sorry. You know, so sacrifices to help other people. So a superhero is basically somebody with extraordinary abilities that acts like a hero that wants to make sacrifice to help other people. So they don't necessarily have to be, have a cape or be able to have its spandex. Not there's anything wrong with that, you know. So that's why I said, you know what? Why don't I take it back? Because I don't feel I feel like nobody is really doing that now. And part of what I'm even trying to do is also show, you know, a side of West African history that not a lot of people know about. So I'm going to touch on things like the Oyo Kingdom, the Benin Kingdom. Um, the Songhai Empire, the Malian Empire, you know, things like that. So these are all things that I, you know, that are rich in our West African history that uh, I feel like a lot of people don't know about. You know, so um, that, that's kind of like, um, that was kind of like the impetus for me to say, okay, let me try and do something like this because nobody's really doing it. So if I come out with it, it'll be something fresh to yeah. add to the genre. You understand? Yeah. So, you know, here's a queen who has an empire, Right, but the empire is so huge now that she has built, where they are beginning to there are factions within the empire that begin to spring up. So she's having you know a lot of rebellion and things like that because the empire is getting too big. So how does she now, you know, bring herself down as a queen to now become a queen for the people to actually help the people and reunite the empire? So there's a whole lot of dynamics going on in there. So she's actually trying to save her people, and that's what that's where the superhero aspect comes in because she also has some extraordinary abilities that I cannot really say now because I'm yeah. still work, I'm still working on, you know, the book and the script and everything mm-hmm. like that. So, you know, but it's actually a very, very interesting story. And, you know, there are so many things that I'm, I've tied into it. You know, I've taken inspiration from, 
you know, some things like, you know, the, the Orishas and things like that. So it's going to be very, very rich in African history. Although it's a fictional story, I pulled a lot of elements from the from true West African kingdoms that existed during that time. A lot of kids don't really know, like the history that you and I learned when we went elementary school and primary school. Mm-hmm. These days, you ask people about just like Shungai Empire, Malian Empire, Benin exactly. Kingdom. It, it's largely lost. People don't... <laughs> it is. It's not really there like it was. Like I mean, it, I, I can't remember that when they taught me, but as soon as you <laughs> mentioned it, I was like, yes, yeah, I remember it that. It was clicking, exactly. Yeah. And honestly, for me personally, I even totally forgot about it until I decided, you know what, let me actually do the research. So when I now started researching it, it was also adding, now adding up for me as well. And I feel like, you know, you, you know, some of the, the reasons why a lot of people, uh, the reason why, you know, people know things like, oh, you know, Zeus or Poseidon, you know, which is from Greek mythology is because there are so many books mm-hmm. about them. There are so many, you know, fictional stories based on, you know, Hercules and things like that. So a lot, like even us that were not, we're not Greek people, we enjoy those stories. Yeah. And like, like someone like me, I can tell you, I can tell you a lot of things that happened in the Roman Empire. I can tell you a lot of things that happened with Alexander the Great, things that happened like, you know, okay, with, you know, Perseus and all this. I can, I can tell you that not because I was, I'm a Greek scholar. I was like, oh, let me go and read a bunch of books. Although I do enjoy, you know, medieval history and things like that. But because I've been exposed to so much content on TV, you know, in comics and things like that. Even things like Thor, which is based on Norse mythology, you know, Thor, Odin, Loki, all these things are based on actual mythology, you know, from, um, you know, yeah, exactly. So, exactly, Viking culture, you know. So, you know, my own thing now is like, okay, how can we now start using some of our own, you know, African history again? Because, you know, just because it's, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm writing a fictional story, you know, in a fictional location, you know, within West Africa doesn't mean I cannot pull from those elements. So if you are, if you are a West African historian and you're reading Malaika, immediately you'll be able to see a lot of things that I'm trying to do that are actually really, really tied specifically to, you know, West African, you know, West Africa, pre-colonial West Africa. And, you know, even when I was reading about it, like there were so many things I was like, oh, wow. So this actually happened, you know, so, okay, this empire existed or this happened in Timbuktu and this person took over Timbuktu. Like, so there's so much, there's a lot of of, of rich history, you know, that I feel like we have access to the but we don't really put them into stories that are very compelling enough to be able to cross the borders. Cause that's another thing that I want to do. Yeah. I don't want to make books that are based on Africans just for Africans. Mm-hmm. I want to make books that Africans and Nigerians can be proud of, but that they can exceed, you know, and, and, and exceed the borders of Africa. Because I feel like at the end of the day, a great story transcends race, culture, mm-hmm. and any other barrier that you can feel. It's why, you know, we growing up in Africa and Nigeria, we love Superman, Batman. It wasn't because, oh, they're white or become they're from America. It's because they just had great stories and great backstories that we could identify with. Yeah, yeah sorry. I talk, I talk a lot. When no, 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 no. I was taking notes. That's why I got lost in the thought. Of it I'm busy scribbling things I'm here. Sorry, so. I'm very passionate about it. No, 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 no. That's, that, that's fine by me. No apologies necessary here. Because yeah. so, I was just, I was, yeah, yeah. as you were talking, I was like, dude, why, what, you should, in addition to Malika, we should also see something like um, Shango too. Because I've always thought, you know, right, isn't right. Shango like our own version of Thor or something like yes. that? Yes. You know, he is the god of fire and lightning. Yes. Uh, fire and I believe, yeah. So stuff, stuff like that. So that that's good. And your goal to be like, like you said, a good story transcends it does culture, actually. religion, whatever. As long as people just want to see and hear stories, they don't care where yeah. it comes from. The fact that it comes yeah. from Africa gives it a richer culture and a richer 
exactly. um, would I call it intellectual capacity or vibrance yeah. or whatever that people can at least learn something else from. So, exactly. I mean, that's the only way, like in college now in the U.S., they make every freshman or sophomore take humanities and what's humanities made of primarily Greek history and then Roman history and all that stuff. Right. So the right. more of this, like your narratives and your comics and your stories come about, the right. more people get interested in learning about this, taking them in classes, right. and then they start showing up on TV in terms of superhero stories right. or TV right. shows or cartoons. Because, I mean, yeah. uh, my little ne- nephews come to my house once in a while and I see them watching Dora the Explorer. I was like, where's the African Kemi the Explorer? She's not on TV, you know? I'm like... Yeah, I mean, but check out, there's a, there's a cartoon called Bino and Fino. It's kind of like Dora Explorer. It's very well okay. done, very well animated by one of my friends, Adamu Waziri. It's actually pretty dope. So when you get a chance, check it out. It's called Bino and Fino. Okay. Yeah, it's actually a very great product. Okay. You know, and they're doing very well now in the UK. Oh, okay, I'll check it out. Adamu Waziri, I have his name here. Okay, because, yeah, I noticed that, and I was like, dude, we don't even have our own stories. But, yeah, yeah that, that, that's great for for bringing African mythology into the common day. But let's try and switch it up and, like, enter into Wale again. So, sure. Wale's story, it's similar to, like, Batman, you know, he lost his mom uh-huh. because of an uh-huh. accident, and then he's from a dysfunctional family, he's fighting right. with his dad. He's basically right. a teenager that most people can actually relate to. So exactly. um, in terms of like giving him a backstory like that and giving mm-hmm. him uh, uh, highly charged emotional um, origin points like that, how, how, yeah. do, how does that develop him Wale as a character that um, the audience can identify with? Yeah. So, I mean, personally, what I wanted to do with um, Wale's backstory was do something that's a little bit familiar to, you know, comic book, you know, people that are fans of comic book and superheroes, but also do some do it in a way where it's you know unique to um, Wally himself. You know, so um, you know the tragedy that happens to Wally is kind of like what actually sparks him to become a hero. So initially he doesn't, but initially like you know, so where Batman, you know, something happened to him, and initially Batman was like, okay, you know what, now I need to, you know, fight criminals, I need to be able to, you know, avenge my parents' death and things like that by not allowing things like this to ever happen again. Mm-hmm. Wally actually does the opposite. So once once he experienced tragedy, he actually walks away from everything. He doesn't want to be responsible for anything. He doesn't basically doesn't want to do anything at all. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, you know, and again, not that... Um, you know, the Batman origin story. I love Batman's origin story as well. But I felt like, you know, there's another side to that where, you know, some people might not even want to react to that kind of tragedy. Do you yeah. understand what I'm saying? Like yeah. some people don't even want to do anything after that, mm-hmm. which honestly is, is more of a, 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 more of a, of a choice that most people would make. Yeah. You know, you know, like, so Batman, you know, Bruce Wayne is a very extraordinary character in himself where, okay, that happened to him and he was able to, you know, in his own way, get over it by doing something about it immediately. Mm-hmm. You understand know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I wanted to make Wally so realistic, whereby something happens to him, and he just doesn't even want, like, okay, this tragedy has happened. I don't want to deal with anything. I just want to go away and just not even deal with anything. So yeah. he goes away. And then the only thing that even actually brings him back is when 
he hears news that, okay, his father has now gone missing. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? And then he starts worrying about his brother who he left behind, who's going to take care of him. So Wale is like, you know what? I finally now have to come home. Mm -hmm. And then when he comes home, that's when he now finds this EXO suit that his father built for him. And he's like, wait, what the heck is going on here? Yeah, my dad is missing. He has left his suit behind that has all these extraordinary abilities. What am I supposed to do with this? So initially, it's like, you know what? This I don't want to deal with this man's creations. Mm-hmm. This guy's science has, you know, brought so much, Tragedy you know, sad, exactly. So I don't want to do anything. And then all of a sudden, a lot of things are happening in the city. His house gets attacked, you know, you know, the, you know, Third Milan Bridge gets attacked and people are suffering and everything. And it's like, Wally is like, you know what? I need to use this thing. Let me just try and at least calm the situation down first and I'll leave the suits. And then as soon as he becomes EXO, the hero, a lot of other things start to happen where, okay, he now has to investigate this and investigate that. And that's basically how his origin story starts. And that's how he becomes a hero. So he, so he naturally, he doesn't actually want to be a hero initially because he doesn't want to deal with anything that involves his dad or his dad's inventions. But circumstances start to push him towards the destiny he was always meant to have. And I feel like, you know, if you really look at it, you know, from a human perspective, that's really how life is like life happens to all of us you know things happen to us where you know we don't necessarily prepare for things and we don't know how to deal with it initially but by some way or one shape or form we begin to you know follow the path of destiny that we're always meant to be on by just actually living life and doing the best that we can and that's what i wanted to do is like as much as wally uh, wally williams story is a story about superheroes it's a human story to at the core itself the superhero is more like the aesthetic that surrounds it but i'm i'm trying to tell a lot of very very human story like you said you know he has drama in his family he doesn't really like his dad he has problems with his ex-girlfriend like these are things that you know every normal person has you understand what i'm saying now he's just dealing with it on a larger scale because now he's become an extraordinary person Mm -hmm. when he's given this gift you know this ex suit. yeah and i like how you left it that he just went away for five years you didn't put too much information as to what he's right. doing in those five years is that exactly. uh, is that um, deliberate so that you can pull out like things in the future yeah. like uh, yeah that was that was very intentional because i wanted um i wanted to i wanted people to see two versions of Wari, uh, wale um before he became exo and after he became exo you know so his life before he became exo is it's very different when he finally gets the suit he becomes a totally different person because then he has a lot of responsibilities things have happened in his family so there's the wale pre-tragedy and there's the wale post-tragedy and you know it's, it's very interesting how I'm going to play on that dynamic throughout the whole EXO series. Like I said, it, it's split into multiple sagas. So each and every saga is going to, is going to pull a little bit of history as to, into what Wally has been doing in those five years where he went away. How does someone facing real life issues and yeah. challenges draw inspiration from Wally in terms of being able to surmount the right. current obstacles they are facing? That's a very good question. Um, the the main um the main theme of the story of um the legend of wally williams is redemption you know so basically and i feel like that can be applied to anything you know so wally has um wally has made a lot of mistakes in the past he's also left a lot of responsibilities he's been through a lot but the story the story follows him on his journey to redemption in terms of okay this is who i've been in the past this is the things that have happened to me i need to deal with them accordingly while I'm also trying to shoulder the responsibilities of being a hero and come out 
you know, come out, come out at the end as somebody that is a better person. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that can be relatable in any way. You know, you don't have to experience personal tra- tragedy the, in tragedy the same way, you know, while it did. You know, but it could be you losing your job. It could be you, you know, losing a loved one. It could be you, you know, not getting that job or, you know, not excelling at your business and things like that. It's like life is really about how you react to those things, not how those things happen to you. Mm. You understand what I'm saying? So what are you going to do when certain things happen? And it's easier said than done. Now, I'm not trying to trivialize tragedy, uh, tragedy, you know, based on, okay, comic book and say, okay, this is how easy it is, yeah. you know, but, um, you know, I just feel like, um, you know, in life, things are going to happen. And um, what actually builds character is adversity and how you go through the adversity. And that's what I really try to sell in, in Wally's story. You kind of have to actually become your own reluctant hero. <laughs> in terms of, like, no, no matter what happens, you just have to, like, take it on the chin, take it on the face. Yeah. And then yeah, you just yeah. chug on through. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, one of the things I also, and before I forget, I wanted to say is like, I'm glad you mentioned the whole thing about some of the stuff that's going on in Nigeria. Uh, you know, so Lagoon City, which is basically in Lagos, um, you know, in, in the comic book is, is going through, it's 10 years in the future. So it's at a point where, um, you know, Nigeria as a whole, you know, has gotten a lot of things right. Um, you know, so, um, you know, there, there are things that go right in terms of, okay, we don't necessarily have, power, you know, issues like with power or fuel scarcity and, you know, the corruption is now really limited and things. So that, that, that's basically Lagoon City. It's, it's a, for me, it's a foreshadowing of what, you know, Lagos can look like in 10 years if, you know, God willing, mm. things continue to go well for us. Yeah. But what the twist there is that, because a lot of issues have been solved doesn't mean that a lot of other issues have not been introduced. Mm-hmm. So now people, okay, let's say people are corrupt now in terms of, okay, how we deal with oil and things like that and money in Nigeria. The corruption has now evolved in, in, into, into a point where it's more about selling, you know, weapons of mass destruction, which are those dread robots yeah. that you find in the book. So people are now, so, you know, what I'm even trying to say is that corruption is not necessarily tied to one avenue or one thing. So it's not as if, okay, if you solve the issue of corruption, you know, in, in oil or whatever, that corruption is a human flaw. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So people, people can be corrupt about selling water. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know, so that's, that's kind of like what Lagoon City is going through, where it's like a lot of things have been fixed, you know, but the introduction of this new threat now is beginning to bring about old habits. So while you may not see directly some of the things that are happening in Lagos, you know, it's kind of like an allegory of the things that are happening now. So take, for instance, the main villain, Oniko, you know, so he's basically a terrorist, just like you would see with Boko Haram. Mm-hmm. But he's doing it from a different perspective. He has, and I don't want to spoil the book too much, he has mm-hmm. his own yeah. His own reasons why he's doing what he's doing. He has his reasons why he's doing it the way he's doing. But it's very easy to see, okay, you know, okay, how that can be relatable to some of the things that have happened in the past with, um, you know, Boko Haram. Also, Lagoon City has become very, 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 very rich. But there is a segment of people that are still poor. So a lot of people have gotten rich. A lot of people are now, you know, there's a lot of affluence for a lot of people. But there's a segment of people in the Omile district 
you know, you know, which is, you know, my inspiration for what you will see in Makoko right now in Lagos yeah. that, are, that are suffering that a lot of people are ignoring. So people are getting richer, but some people are not even moving up. You understand what I'm saying? And also, like, so that I also try to address, you know, some very serious issues like social injustice, poverty, corruption as well in the book. But what I always try and do with my books is that, or my stories is, I don't, as much as it's very nice and very good to highlight the issues that are going on in Africa, we cannot ignore the things that are going right. Yeah. You know, so I always like to show a different side of Nigeria, like our, you know, our tech architecture, you know, our culture, the way we talk, the way we dress, some of the ways, like, even when you see Wale talking with his brother and his friends, like, you know, it's so, like, it's so culturally accurate where it's like, some of the things I pulled out from discussions that I have with my friends when we we're just chilling and we we're just like, ah, what's wrong with this guy? This guy, you're the crazy. And like, so I wanted to in, in, infuse those things into the book so that people can get to see a side of Lagos, a side of Nigeria that you don't necessarily get to see in mainstream. So as much as I like to okay, shine a light on, okay, the negative things that are happening, I also want to even shine an even brighter light on some of the great things that are happening mm-hmm. in Africa as a whole as well. Did you draw on your personal background when you were creating Wally Williams' character in the EXO story? I know that most creators, especially of fiction, fantasy, yeah. they always tend to like, sometimes they put a little bit of that sel- themselves and their personalities in the main protagonist, give him some of their own characteristics so that at mm-hmm. least they're told. It's, it's more like they're creating an alter ego of themselves yeah. in the story. Right to do things or to have characteristics that they necessarily may not have, but wish mm-hmm. they had. Yeah, I mean, um, it's funny you mention that because, I mean, there are some aspects, I'll say this, there are, two, there are two aspects. Some of the things that the family dynamics, honestly, like there's a scene where um, in the beginning of the book where Wally is sitting down with his mom, his brother, and, you know, his uncle, and they're having dinner mm-hmm. and they're talking. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. Wally... <laughs> yeah, and then Wally really Wally says something that is so ridiculous, and his mom is like, "Wally, would you stop that right now?" You understand? Like, like that was pulled directly out of something that my mother would do. Like, you don't just be talking anyhow when you're, you know, uh, you know, having dinner, and then you say something rude, and then you get away with it. Like, mm. you'll be disciplined on the spot. Yeah. So little, little things like that, I took out of okay, my own personal history and things like that. In terms of the character himself, um. I wouldn't say there is a direct um, relation in terms of okay, some of the things that you know, Wale is, and some of the things that I am, or whatever. What I would say is that at the end of the book, what Wale has become is kind of like something that I personally strive to be every day, which is someone that is so selfless that is willing to sacrifice everything for the betterment of people around him. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So. For me, it's someone that I can look up to as I'm writing, I'm learning lessons from him. You know, as I'm writing, I'm like, this is the kind of person I would like to be, you know, in, in the future in terms of, oh, okay, you know, and I don't have to have a super suit or anything like that to make a difference in the world. Like, you know, helping people doesn't necessarily require super strength and be able to fly and things like that. You know, helping someone is giving someone a call and asking them how you're doing or seeing someone randomly that's struggling with something and offering a helping hand and things like that. So for me, at the end of the book, Wally is, has become such a 
um, such a such a great person, not just in terms of raw strength and power and how he's you know super boy's personality, his attitude towards his people and how he wants to save his people and help his community. And he just becomes someone that I personally want to strive to become. You know, so in a way, I'm. It's almost like I'm. I'm. I'm writing a character that I'm striving to to become. To become okay. In your opinion, now, what is yeah. the best superpower to have? Ah, uh, <laughs> that's a tough one, my brother. <laughs> Come on, you, you're, you're the African Stanley. Sorry, I, I hate saying some. I hate saying somebody is the African. This you're Roy Okupe. I'll take that, but I'll still take that. One. I'll take that one. Ah <laughs> uh, man, so, uh, dude, there's so many. I think for me, <laughs> one, the one I'll take is a very controversial one. Is the one that uh, I think Professor X, the one where he can read some people's minds and he can <laughs> he can control people. <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> because then he can do anything now. You know, you can know when you you can look. I can know what somebody is thinking. If somebody is annoying you or is not doing the right thing, you can just control the person and say, "Hey, okay, just this is the way you need to do it." Yeah. I didn't say that that's what I would do. I'm just saying like, hey, it was good for, I was going to have a superpower. I, um, I mean, quite frankly, I think Professor X is actually one of the most, you know, the strongest characters out there mm. in comic books because he can basically control almost anybody, yeah. you know. So I would say that one, you know, although that's a whole lot of responsibility to have to be able to know what everybody's thinking in the whole world. That's, yeah. I mean, yeah. At the same time, you'll also be able to read people's minds as well. Yeah. What they think about you. I know, right? And so on, that's what we don't want to know. Exactly, exactly. Yes, sir. Wow. So, um, so what are the pl- current plans for... I know the second book has not come out, and uh, I wouldn't yeah. want you to give yeah. too much of a spoiler about that, but just give us like yeah. what you can tell us about the second book and what we we'll expect part, to see. Part two is basically you know, just doubling down on everything that we had in part one. So if you if you had a couple of laughs in part one, you're going to have two times the amount of comedy. If you like the action in part one, you're going to have two times the amount of action. Um, there's a whole lot of drama, but one of the things that I specifically wanted to focus on part two was the backstory of the main villain, Oniku. Okay. Um, one thing I always like to do with bad guys is I, I like to you know, write them in a way that they're not one-dimensional. It's not just, okay, I'm a bad person, I want to take over the world, I want to kill everybody, and I want to be the best or whatever. I feel like um, I like to write my villains in a way where you can almost, 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 almost understand why they're doing what they're doing. Not that you approve of it, Mm -hmm. but when you actually see, when you actually, you know, read their story and see their backstory and see why it is that they're doing what they're doing, you're like, okay, you know what? This guy is a crazy person, but I understand why he's crazy. You understand what I'm saying? So you will see a lot of, um, you will see a lot of why, or a lot of reasons why Oniku does what he does, and um, a whole chunk of the book is really dedicated to following him and seeing what his master plan is, and also seeing what actually turned him from what he was to what he is right now. And it's very, very, very interesting. You know, it's also very emotional. Mm-hmm. Some of the stuff that you know. He's been, you know, he's been, yeah, he's gone through. So, you know, it, it actually makes for a very, very great finale because now you can understand why Wale is fighting. You can understand why Nico is fighting. And it really makes for a great dynamic in the end of the book. Okay. So how far would Wale have to go to get justice? Is there a line he won't cross, like Batman won't kill? Is there, is there a particular line that you've drawn for Wale or right. drawn for himself? 
really, really now it's open-ended because this is really still Wally's origin story. This first book, Legend of Wally Williams, basically Wally's origin story and how he's becoming a hero. Mm. In the next, in the in the next couple of books, we'll begin to explore. Okay, now that he has become a hero, okay, what is it that? What are his values? What does he stand for? Who is who is it that he's supposed to save? Who is it that he's supposed to, you know, look another way when they are doing what they're doing? How mm. does it? How does it determine how it works with law enforcement? Does he, you know? Does he work hand in hand with, you know, the government or does he just want to continue to do a lot of things on his own? So there's a whole lot of unknowns um, for Wale as yeah. he's going to his own story. So most of those lines have not been drawn yet mm. and they can only be drawn by experience. Okay, so when he gets to a point where, okay, maybe he gets to a point where he has to take somebody's life, what does he do then? I feel like that's the only time you can draw a line is when he's actually thrust into that decision-making. Okay. That's the only time where we're going to know. Because now Wally has not really been put in that position, so it's hard to even draw a line right. for something that I experienced. Okay. Yeah, because as you said earlier, you know, Lagoon City still has issues, social issues, corruption, oh, yeah. poverty, Plenty. and all that stuff. So um, for a character like Wally to be a superhero in such an environment, I mean, there has yeah. to be like, I wouldn't say he's going to be like Claire. Superman, good, you know, but there right. has to be a kind of gray area in terms Definitely. of him operating in his environment. Yeah, no, I mean, that makes sense. No, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. There's so much, there's so much gray that's going to, you know, that's going to be painted for Wally in the next couple of books, not just with him as a hero, but even him um, as he interacts with um, Fury, which is the female superhero that I have in the book, which is also a very, honestly, a very, very interesting. She's actually my favorite character. Okay. It's, it's odd that Wally is the face of the book, but Fury is the one that I love to write, <laughs> you know. No, I'm serious because I feel like the way I have a backstory and it's so unfortunate because I want to do our own personal book in the future. So I, I had to leave a lot out of, you know, this, um, this book yeah. to actually put into our own book because her own backstory is so rich, you know, um, as to where she came from, her personal relationship with Wale, you know, uh, how, how they interacted in the past and how they found each other again and what they want to do moving forward, you know. So there's, there's a lot that is going to happen, you know, between just that dynamic mm-hmm. alone. And also, you know, because I'm slowly also building something that I like to call the unique universe. You know, it's named after my company, Unique Studios, where mm-hmm. there's opportunities for other heroes to interact with each other. You know, and there's one thing that I've not really said, and actually this is kind of like the first time I'm, I'm saying it on, on the open airways, is where Malaika itself, because it takes place in in um, 15th century West Africa, mm-hmm. around the Nigeria area, Malaika actually ties into EXO in a very, very specific way. So when you're reading Malaika, there are one or two things that you're going to see that is actually going to be tied to EXO's story and, you know, kind of like some of the things that you see happening in Lagoon City now okay. have has its roots in Malaika, okay. you know. So, and, and that's what that's really I'm trying to do. Yeah, exactly. It's actually very interesting is that I have a couple of other books that, and all these books are standalone. They are their own individual stories, but they all connect. They all have something that they share in common and, you know, they all have you know, links and ties to each other, you know, and I feel like that creates for a very, very interesting dynamic where mm-hmm. you can read EXO part one or part two, and then you grab the the uh, Malaika book, and then you're continuing to read, and then you're seeing references made to some of the things that, you know, you're eventually going to see in Lagoon City. So there's, there's a whole open room for a whole, a whole bunch of different things to happen in the future. Okay, okay.
And how do, how do you, what is your writing process like? How do you develop these rich uh, stories and this rich, <laughs> this rich content? Because, I mean, it sounds like you already have, your, your, well, not to I have, say, a ten, I have a 10 books that I'm working on in my head. Yeah, that's what, I, that's what I'm saying. It sounds yeah, like I, you're, <laughs> you're the god of unique universe, creating <laughs> these multidimensional stories, characters, and worlds. Yes. Yeah. No, I mean, what's your process? Honestly, um, I've been thinking about all these characters since 2012. So I've had four years to, you know, write a couple of, you know, uh, a, a bunch of outlines down, look at it, and you know, erase some things and start over again. So I basically used four years to build this whole universe in my head. Okay. So, like I said, I have about. I have about 10 books that I want to do now in a row that in my head they're already mapped out. I've already written three of them, which is EXO, EXO Part 1, EXO Part 2, and then Malaika Part 1. All those ones have been written down. Yeah, okay. The other seven, I have them, you know, in my head, and I also have some things that I've written down on the side. But my writing process, honestly, like, I just get inspiration from life itself. Okay. You know, so, like, you know, like the way I have it, like, I like things like, okay, like when I when I, I grew up watching a whole lot of not just superhero cartoons but also sci-fi and fantasy, so a lot of the Rings, the Matrix, you know, Terminator, things like that. I, I I enjoy those kind of content. So for me, when I see something like a Troy, right, mm-hmm. in my mind, I'm like, hmm, okay, this is Troy. How can I how can I use this concept and you know tie in an African spin or tie in my own you know flavor to it and that was how i came up with the idea of malaika mm-hmm. you know because i was like you know what we see all these greek gods we see all this you know all oh, the war the gladiators we see roman empire like how, why can we do an african one mm-hmm. and that's how i came up with malaika but not only that i was like okay how can i now connect malaika to exo you know so if i tie malaika to west africa right that means it takes place around the region of nigeria you know, so there's a way that I can now connect things to Malaika because eventually that pre-colonial West Africa, you know, becomes, you know, Nigeria becomes part of that, mm-hmm. you know, in Nigeria as a country becomes part of that. So I'm easy, easily, I can easily tie that, you know, to it. And then sometimes I would see a movie like Jason Bourne and I'm like, wow, look at this spy movie and everything. How can I now, you know, tie some of those elements into my own personal story? Can we have something like, can we have like an African agent or, you know, it doesn't even have to be African. Like I can, I can also write an African American character, things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, so that, that's basically how I go about it. Like I take inspiration from almost anything. Like even sometimes it's like the way my friends joke and interact with each other. Then I come up with a character. You understand what I'm saying? So, but what I also do is that um, because I'm always in my phone, anytime I have an idea, I write it down. And then when I get home, I see how I can expand on that idea. And then I, I see how I can now connect that to my overall, my, because I, like I have an overall theme of what I want to do with all my books. And if, if a story, particular story does not tie into that overall theme, then I just cut it down and say, okay, no, this is not something I want to work on. How are you managing to like pay your bills as you're creating these um, unique universes right. and these stories right. and then lead, lead us into some of the rough moments and how you're overcoming them or, or you've overcome them? Yeah, so I mean, a bulk of a bulk of the money that I used to get by day by day is... Um, it's from book sales, obviously. Not a book. Some of it's from book sales. But mm-hmm. I also have a web design business that I run personally. So mm-hmm. I, I have, yeah, so I have two companies, Unique Studios, and then I have Roy another Productions. company. Yeah, Roy Productions, which is my web design company. So between those two, I'm able to get by day to day. You know, understand what I'm saying? So, and again, it's, it's, not, it's not been easy because, 
once you leave a nine to five job with that security of a paycheck every two weeks, and you now you now have to fend for your own self, it's a totally different ball game. Because oh, you are it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you are responsible for everything. There's nobody that you can look up and say, "Where's my Where's my salary?" Yeah, you understand what I'm saying. But again, it's so rewarding because you get to do. You know things that you know you can only do when you have the freedom to you know you know um, basically take a chance on yourself and you know follow your dreams and follow your hearts. Um, I'll definitely, like I said, it's definitely. I don't know if it's for everybody, but um, I know that if you want to, if, if you really want to, you know, work by yourself or work for yourself, you have to have a passion for what you're doing. And I, I love what I'm doing. I have such a strong passion for it. And that's what takes me through the times where, you know, money may not be coming in at, at the rate I want it to. Um, I always find a way to just get by based on that passion. In terms of some of the bigger issues that I've had is, like I said, I started this in 2012. And originally, I wanted to do this as an animated movie. Mm. So literally for two years, I was shopping, because I have an animated clip that I did yeah. um, that's online. I was really, I was taking it, I was shopping it to everybody, like distributors, investors, TV networks, and literally nobody nobody gave it any, in the light of day. Um, people told me that, well, I mean, it's nice, but I don't know, uh, is, is it going to work? You know, I don't know about the story and things like that. So, you know, I, I was just like, you know what? Maybe this is not meant for me. Maybe, you know, maybe I'm wrong for thinking that I can actually do something like this. But after a while, I was like, wait, I mean, really, whose report am I going to believe? Is it what people say about me or, you know, what I say about myself or what I feel like has been destined for me to do? So I said, let me take a chance on myself. Yeah. Let me actually do what I can do. Because this is where I feel like a lot of people make a lot of mistakes is that you see the grand master plan that you want to you know that that you want to you want to happen for your life and then you try and do it and then it fails and then you feel like okay because that fails it means like okay you know you're not meant to do it or you can't do it mm -hmm. but sometimes what you just have to do is scale back and start small you know what i'm saying do mm -hmm. what you can where you are with what you have so what i was able to do was okay i had a story right i had an animated clip and, you know, I had, you know, some money that I saved. I said, okay, let me put everything into doing a graphic novel. Let me put my story in there. Let me put it out to the world. And let, they be, let them be the deciding factor of whether or not this can work. And literally, once I put the stuff out there, people love the story. Once I put the book out there, people love the book. Um, it's right now, it has like... You know, it has a five star. It has 38 reviews on Amazon. Amazon. It has yeah. five stars. Five star average is in featured on CNN, BBC, Forbes, New York Times. So it's doing very well. Yeah. And I, I took a chance on myself, and I did not allow what someone else said about me to determine my own future. Yeah. You know. So, but it, I, I, if I if I sit down here and say that I did not doubt myself, I'll be I'll be a huge liar. I did. Matter of fact, at one point I quit for one week. I said, you know what? I'm not doing this anymore. Let me just focus on my own nine to five and just live my life. But I mean, after a while, I was just like, you know what, Roy, you need to give this one more chance. You need to really, you know, at least take a chance on yourself. And at least if it doesn't work, then, you know, you try. Yeah. You know, so that was one of the biggest... But you have to put 100% of yourself oh, into yeah. it. 200%. Yeah. <laughs> because, a lot, no, I'm serious. You have to put 200% because a lot of people put 100% now. It, the world has become a place where people are hustling. The internet has made things very accessible for everyone. So how are you going to differentiate yourself? You have to now go to 200%. You can't just give 100 Because if everybody, not everybody, a lot of people are giving 100 So you have to okay. go above 100 and give 200%. Because that's the only way you can separate yourself. 
because there are a lot of people out there. I'm not the only one that is doing comics based on Nigerian characters, or African characters. There are a lot of people that are doing great stuff. But what I also, what I, what I always try and do is that, okay, you know, how do I keep on, you know, setting the bar higher and higher and higher? So when I see someone doing something that is, you know, that's setting the bar high, I have to say, okay, you know what, compliment that person. But at the same time, I have to aim to now go higher than that person because yeah. I feel like it's the only way that you can stand out is by always trying to set the bar higher than everybody else that's, yeah. you know, within the uh, within your industry. Cool, cool. And um, so that was where the Kickstarter campaign came in last year, correct? Yes, yes. So I used the Kickstarter to raise the money to do... Uh, in the comic book and again before that i didn't i wasn't even aware of kickstarter you know but again this is where you know this the saying that there's always a way comes is that i didn't let that the, the fact that i did not have money i didn't let that stop me i found out okay you know what how can i raise money in a way that's going to benefit the project and that's how i found kickstarter when i found kickstarter i didn't just go on kickstarter and put my product i took like almost three to four months researching on how to make my project successful so i took like 10 people that have been successful on kickstarter studied everything that i that i could bought books on kickstarter reached out to people you know then and then i started putting out my plan together before i finally now launched my kickstarter and you know but you know by god's grace it was it was it was something that was very successful yeah it was oversubscribed from what i see here on the yeah on the slides yeah, dude, you're 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 actually a real life superhero. You're putting two hundred and fifty percent in the hustle, buying books, that, con- contacting people that are more successful. Yeah, that's. I feel honestly like you know, if you if you really really want something, you believe in something. Like you said, what's the point in doing it in a way that is not you know full out going for it because that's that's the only way you're going to find out whether it can work or not by giving it everything if you give it everything and then it doesn't work then at least you know that it's not for you Mm. but honestly like you know most of the time when you believe in something you have passion for something and you give it everything most of the time something has it's just a law of averages something has to work out yeah you know i honestly honestly believe that Within each and every one of us, we have something inside us, a light that we want to shine to the world, a dream that we have, we want to pursue, that, you know, that is really inside each and every one that we are meant to do and give out to the world. And I feel like if you don't give, if you don't, if you don't pursue that dream, if you don't pursue that thing that's burning inside, you're actually robbing the world of your gift. Mm. So it's not even just about you. You understand what I'm saying? Like you're robbing everybody else of that gift. Like imagine if there's a, there's a story I read about Walt Disney that said, um, you know, one of his, I think his, his manager told him that, you know, when he was working for someone that he lacked imagination. And I could just imagine like, <laughs> like what if he had quit at that point and say, you know what, this guy is right. I don't have imagination. Let me just focus on doing something else. We won't have things like Lion King, like Disney World. We won't have things like, you know, the Little Mermaid. Like just imagine what the world would not have if Walt Disney decided to quit yeah. on his, give up exactly because of that. That's the way may I look at it. What is it that I'm, cheating the world of if I don't take the time to give every single thing that I can. And I feel like that's, that's one thing that we can use to motivate ourselves to actually go ahead, you know, and not, not, not necessarily recklessly just chase your dream. I say, okay, now nah, let me just quit everything. No, no, no. Actually make a plan, you know, as to how you're going to execute it and actually just give it a shot and then, you know, let the chips form where they may from there. Do you have any current plans for merchandising, toys, books, more comics, games, and what have you in the near oh, future? Oh, yeah. 
Of course. I mean, that's the plan is to really go into all that stuff. But um, okay. one of the major goals is to get the animated movie or animated series out first. Okay. So, you know, I said I was going to expand on it. So what we're working on now is like we're trying to now use the success of the book to go back to, you know, some of the TV networks and the distributors and the investors and say, hey, look, people love the book. You understand what I'm saying? All we need now is, you know, raise some, raise some money to be able to put the animation out there so that, you know, people can actually, people that don't necessarily buy comic books can have a chance to experience the story. Mm. Because if it can work, you know, via the book medium, people can be so attached to the story. You know, there's there's a very, very high chance that if the animation is done right, it's also going to be a success as well. Yeah. And I feel like once the animation is out and once, because that opens you up to a whole larger fan base, Yep. Because not a lot of people don't read comic books, you know, as 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 nice as they are, you know, it's still a very niche fan base. Yeah. But a lot of people watch TV and watch animation and you know go on video on demand and everything. So animation is going to open it up to a whole, uh, a, a much larger fan base, and then it's not easier to now go into merchandising because a lot of people have the eyes on it now and then, and they can now say, oh, where are the toys and things like that. So it's it's everything has to happen in stages and be done at the right timing and in the execution has to be right. Have you have you thought about approaching companies like um, Iroko TV, um, I think, um, MultiChoice or Mnet or Naspas, whatever their parent company Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And no, definitely. Bunny and Bonnie TV, I think there's another one, Wabona, because those, I think Iroko TV, Wabona, and Bonnie TV are the three biggest um, streaming networks in Africa. Yes. At least as a start, yes. you could probably just talk to them and see if they're... Because I think I know that they are now looking to create original content. That could be an yeah. avenue to get things rolling. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. Those, are, those are some of the people that we're looking at approaching, um, you know, hopefully... Um, to to be able to see if we can we can work together. It's just that you have to approach these people in the right way, through yeah. the right channels, and make sure you get the right connection because you only we really only have one chance one with shot, them. Yeah, and that's what I'm So yeah, definitely we're looking into how we can, you know, get in touch with people like that. And we also had some talks with people in Nigeria, and you know, we was trying to see how we can you know move things forward with them as well. So hopefully one of these things work out very soon. As we start to wind down the show, I mean, there are so many places for me to ask questions, but I want to be respectful of your time. <laughs> so um, I, you've covered a lot of this, but um, these are winding down questions, and these are the ones people, my audience, are attached to, so I, I still kind of have to ask them. So what okay. got you excited about really starting this business? Really going for it. What was, what, can yeah. you can you let's say break it down to one significant moment? Maybe you were at work and then a precipitating yeah. incident happened that you were like, you know what, I want to do my thing. Um, for me, honestly, I think it was when um, I think it was when I, f- I saw the first Iron Man movie. Okay. Uh, when that came out, and I just saw the potential for how if we can do a Nigerian or African version, how awesome it would be if we can have something like that. And you know, it had always been my dream a dream of mine for people around the world to to um to experience my story. So when I saw that that just clicked, I was just like, you know what's raw, you can do things, you can do something like this. You can actually tell your own stories. You know, so the opportunity for me to be able to tell my stories, chase my dreams while making a living, doing what I'm doing was such a was such a you know inspiring thing that I was just like, okay, how exactly can I 
make this a reality. And that was when I started to plan, okay, this is what you need to do in order to to get to the point where these guys are. You need to, you know, do this stuff on the comics, go to the animation, go to the merchandising, and then slowly but surely you will get here. Mm-hmm. But you actually just have to start. And for me, that was when I was like, you know what, I cannot even waste any time anymore. I have to, I have to do something. Okay. And which entrepreneur do you admire and why do you admire that person? Oh, there's a lot of them. Actually. <laughs> um, there's a lot. Um, one of the, one of the, one of the entrepreneurs I admire a lot is, um, Elon Musk. Okay. Um, and it's so funny because of one of the things he said. He said that he, the proceeds for PayPal, I think he made 180 million when he sold his, his shares in PayPal or something yeah. like that. He said that he took all that money and they invested every single penny into three companies. Like me and I'm, I'm an African guy. Like <laughs> I would have at least held like maybe twenty million dollars somewhere. Buy a house. <laughs> I know what I'm saying. But I mean the reason why I'm saying that is that this guy believed so much in himself that yeah. he bets every single dime. Like, do you know the amount of belief that you have to have in yourself yeah. and you know your your product or your dream or your goals or whatever for you to bet every a hundred and eighty million dollars of every single thing that you had? To put it into you know these companies, and now the guy is worth billions of dollars. You know, so, so for me, just that, just that, um, that outright brazen attitude to be able to say I'm just going to go for it because I believe so much in it is something that is so inspiring. That every single day I wake up, I have to believe in myself. I have to believe that okay, I can do certain things. I can reach certain milestones, and you know, if I can just continue to believe in myself, there's no reason why I cannot get to where. I want to be. So I would say if I had to pick one, you know, that would be him. But there's so, mon- so many other people that, you know, inspire me on a daily basis. Some of them are not, you know, really alive. Like even people like Steve Jobs, you know, how he did things his own way, you know, even Walt Disney himself, like he has made, like, look at what the Walt Disney company is right now. But look at where he started. Walt Disney started yeah. with Mickey Mouse. Yeah. He started with one character, one character. He didn't, he didn't come out and do 10 different, he started with one mouse. And one mouse has turned into such a huge conglomerate, almost less than a hundred years later. Now they they have parks, they have cartoons. They you know, Disney now own Disney even Disney owns networks. Marvel. Yeah, Marvel. They own Star Marvel. Wars, they own Star ABC. Wars. They own ESPN, Indiana Jones. Yeah. <laughs> so it has become so huge, but it's so fascinating that it started with one mouse. Yeah. And what I'm looking at is that I'm looking at Disney and Mickey Mouse as how I look at myself with EXO, okay. and I'm hoping that with just one character. It can become something that is, you know, that will even outlive me as as a creator. You talk about a significant personal failure you've experienced and how you recovered and overcame it. Um, I think I think I touched on it a little bit. How I, you know, I automatically thought I expected that once I created the animated pilot yes. test that I did, I completely expected people to just jump on it and say, you know, we're going to give you money. And, you know, go for it. Nobody's doing African cartoons. Okay, yeah, you know, you're going to be the first. You're going to do it. And, you know, we're going to just support you. Basically, I, um, you know, I, I, I thought I thought people owed me, owed me something because I had taken the chance to, you know, put my own money into it. And now I put it out there and I was, I, I expected, you know, not just, you know, distributors, investors, but even general public. I felt like they owed me something to be able to promote it. Mm-hmm. But really in life, honestly, nobody owes you anything. Yeah. Like if you think about it, not your parents, not your friends or whatever. If you have a dream, 
that you want to make come to light. It is up to you <laughs> to make it happen. Nobody really owes you anything. And that was a lesson that I had to learn the hard way. And I had to humble myself and go back and say, you know what? All right, the animation did not work. You know, because I had spent upwards of $30,000 putting that thing together. Mm. So in my mind, it was it was a failure. It's like I spent all this money and I don't have any investments. But I had two choices, give up or go back to the drawing board and, you know, use that failure to be able to now make myself a better person and come out with something even better. Mm-hmm. You know, so I took that as a lesson, you know, the fact that, okay, you know, nobody owes you anything. You have to make things happen yourself. Mm-hmm. And also the fact that, okay, you can also turn some of your failures into something good. So I took the animation that I thought it was actually a failure. I used that to actually now promote the book. So because I was, I had a book, but I also had an animated trailer. People now looked at me differently from other people that just had a book. Yeah. So I, I had a book, but I also saying, hey, I have something, you know, that's already animating. I'm working on this. The animation is based on the book. Hopefully we can use the book to get to the animation. So please support me. Mm-hmm. And people saw that as something that was not really something unique. Yeah. Because when people come out with their book, people don't necessarily already have something in video or animation or, or something visual to show. You know, so something that I thought was a failure, I was able to now use it to now generate success for the book itself. Mm-hmm. So now it has now come full circle where now I have the book, I have the animation, and I'm now even in a stronger position to now get the animated movie that I always wanted to get yeah. out there. So yeah, then, you know, so yeah, it was a huge failure initially, having spent that much money and not being able to have anything to show for it in, in, in two years. But I was able to take that and, you know, re restructure it in a way that I, I actually now use it as an advantage for myself. What was the initial reaction from your family when you told them you were going to go into creating comic books and stories full-time as opposed to being a graphic designer and a computer scientist that you had... This is the funny, yeah, it's the funniest part of my story because naturally, you know, when I tell the story about how my parents reacted, it's not it's not what people expect. So my dad actually was the one that actually, first of all, gave me the courage to say, you should do this thing. Because he was like, you've watched all these cartoons growing up. You've been doing all this superhero, superhero stuff or whatever. Actually, okay, go and now see how you can make money off it. You understand what I'm saying? So he was the one that actually even gave me the courage in the first place to be able to step out. And then after that, my mom, you know, also throwing her own support, and she's also, she's always been behind me from day one, through the ups, through the downs, through the highs, through the lows, or whatever. She's made personal sacrifices, even after, you know, I quit my own job or whatever, to be able to help me to get by and things like that. So my parents, oddly enough, were very supportive because I, I feel like, you know, they, they, they want to, you know, they want to... Um, they want, they want their children to be able to chase their dreams and their aspirations, yeah. you know. So you may have gone to school for one thing, but if it's something that you're not passionate about or whatever, mm-hmm. find, try and see how you can make a transition from, okay, what it is that you're currently doing now to something that you're passionate about. Now, it doesn't mean that school is a waste of time or the computer science degree I got was a waste of time. I use that till today. Like I said, yeah. I have a web design business that is actually, I run that business myself and I'm able to fund you know, um, you know, basically, you know, some of the stuff I'm doing with um, EXO, and I'm able to get get by day to day. Also, even even having worked for such a long time in corporate America has given me the business side of things to be able to structure my business in a way it can survive. Yeah. You know, not just creatively, but business wise. Like there are a lot of things I've learned because I feel like sometimes creative people only focus on creative things yeah. and they don't focus on the business aspect. 
you know, so they were very, very, my, in, a, in a nutshell, my parents were actually very supportive from day one. I've not had one single issue from their own end. Uh, matter of fact, I don't even think I'll be where I am without them today. Nice. nice. And I think this is a wrap-up question. If a young graduate, let's say in Lagos, or let's say Lagoon City, I like that name. <laughs> if a young graduate is coming out of university in Lagoon City, and right. thinking about striking out on their own, you know, it's difficult to find a job. You know, they're thinking of trying to do something similar. Maybe they have a story in their heads or maybe they have mm -hmm. a book they want to write. Or they're just thinking mm -hmm. of doing something creative and launching their own venture. What's the advice yeah. you will give to that young graduate? I mean, first thing I'll say is believe in yourself. Even when nobody believes in you, it starts with you believing in yourself. Nobody can believe in yourself for you. Like nobody can. That's one of the things that is not transferable. Like I can't, even if I tell you, oh, I believe in you. Like if you don't believe in yourself, me saying that is not necessarily going to help you get to where you may be. It may boost you temporarily because, oh, wow, this person believes in me. But you have to, it starts with you believing in yourself first. Number two, I think I mentioned this earlier, don't do it for the money. Mm -hmm. If you don't have passion, if you're, not, if you're not passionate about what you're doing, don't do it. It's like, because you're not really going to get far. Don't do it for the money. And the third thing I'll say is like, have a plan. Like, you have to have a plan about how you're going to, you know, how you're going to survive while you're chasing your dream. You know, how you're going to progress in terms of two to five years, you know, five to 10 years, 10 to 20 years, where do you want to be? You know, so those are the three things that actually helped me. It's like, number one, I had to believe in myself that I could actually do it. Number two, I had to, I had to, you know, be convinced that, okay, I actually had a passion for this before I went into it. And number three, I had to come up with a very structured plan in how, you know, I was going to be able to survive while I'm doing what I'm doing. And I was going to be able to progress from, you know, first year to second year, what I want to do in five years, what I want to do in 10 years, you know. So those are the three things I would, I would say, you know, that you actually have to have to be able to, you know, find success in whatever it is that you're doing. And it doesn't even have to be entrepreneurship, just life in general. Yeah. And do you have any books, software, tips, messages that have been helpful and inspirational to you thus far that you could recommend to the listeners on the show? Oh, wow, man. I have so many. Um, one of the one that I, I guess I would say for now is, um, is a story, is a book by, um, Ed Catmull. And I believe he's the one that he was one Pixar. of the founders. Yes. One of the, yeah. One of the founders of Pixar. Um, I'm trying to find the name of the I book. Think I think it's, it's creativity or something like that. Yes. Yes. Creativity. Yeah. Yes. By, by Ed Catmull is such a great story. And the reason why it's such a great story, like it talks about, not just, okay, how, okay, you know, Pixar was started and some of the issues that they faced, but it also, it goes very deep into how someone can have a dream for so long and spend every single day of his life going after it. And he didn't realize his dream for 20 years. Wow. But after that 20 years, look at what the company has been able to become just because he was able to stay the course I was able to stay focused. And there were so many ups. And it's so funny. We see Pixar now. We see how great they are. Oh, wow. They do all this thing. But the backstory is so intriguing. Like, it's so amazing to see what they had to go through to achieve what they achieved. And I feel like, and he also talks about, you know, generating a creative structure for your company, how you should interact with your colleagues, your employees, your bosses, and things like that. Like, basically, just how you know, Pixar has done it and how they've been able to be successful, you know, in taking something from something was just a, a dream 
to now what has become a lifestyle for them. So I strongly recommend that book, Creativity by Ed Catmull. Yeah, it's such a such a great a great book. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Um, for me, um, Think and Grow Rich is a is a good one. That's I haven't class, finished. That's a classic it. one. Yeah, you know, I haven't finished that one, but um, from what I've read so far, it's a it's a very um, it's a very outstanding book. Um, another one I would say is um, Save the Cats. That's for people that um, you know want to go into script writing. Like um, it's very, 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 very great for people that want to, you know, you know, that want to do stuff like you know, you know, creative writing, writing scripts, writing comics, writing movies. Um, there's one called um, How to Market a Book um, for people that are authors, because again, that you can't. You really, really cannot just have focus on the creative side and not focus on the business side and how you're going to make money. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, also the 10-day MBA. That's a great one too, 10-day MBA. And then there's another one about, I suppose this other one about MBA. And, and, um, the 10-day MBA, and then there's another one that's based on MBA, if I remember. Yeah, the personal, the personal personal MBA, okay. The personal MBA and the 10-day MBA, okay. great for entrepreneurs and people that want to... Um, that want to start out on their own business. So I would say those are those are those are the books that I would, I would really recommend oh, okay. for people going into into business. Okay, great. And with that said, ladies and gentlemen, we've reached the end of the show. It's been a pleasure talking to Roy, getting to know him, his business, and of course his superhero Wally Williams, EX <laughs> <laughs> Malaika, yes. and the rest of the unique universe characters that will soon be coming to um, yep, yep. Books and tablets and other kinds of devices near you. So, Wally, I, I beg your pardon, not Wally. So, Roy, <laughs> so Roy, where can people, where can people get your your comic or your product? Where can they reach you? Um, people can reach me on um, uniquestudios.com, but that's spelled Y O U N. WEKstudios.com. Um, you can find all my books there. You know, you can find me on Facebook on at Unique Studios. I'm uh, sorry, Facebook.com slash Unique Studios. On Twitter, I'm at Unique Studios. The same thing with Instagram at Unique Studios. You can also find my book on Amazon as well. Um, if that's your preferred um, reading device, uh, you can get it on Kindle. Um, you know, as well. And uh, so those are the main places where you can find a lot of information about me, some of the things that I'm doing. You also check out my blog because on my blog, I talk about um, a lot of the things that I've, you know, been through in terms of how I got to where I am. So I explain a lot of things, how I got on CNN, how I was able to write EXO, some of the challenges I faced, some of the advice I give to other people that are trying to start out, you know, you know, writing or starting a business and things like that. I go go through a lot of stuff in depth about some of my failures and how I've been able to use that to make myself a better person and, you know, find success in the future. So make sure you check that out. So what's what's, what's the address of your blog? It's basically just uniquestudios.com slash blog. Okay, slash blog. Yeah, slash blog, yeah. Okay, got it, got it. All right, and ladies and gentlemen, once again, thanks for coming on the show. Roy, really appreciate you sharing your words of wisdom and knowledge bombs and basically just teaching us about how to create superheroes and create awesome universes. We obviously look forward to Wally's story part two at the end of July, and I'm sure by the time you bring out the cartoon or the movie, 
they're going to give us some, you know, tickets to come see the program. (laughs) (laughs) Don't let another minute go by without taking action to change your life. Visit Ordeshi.com right now for more incredible resources. And we'll see you next time on Ordeshi, the Bulletproof Entrepreneur.